0: Some of you know my good friend Tom Fifi. He's getting on up there in years, and uh, a couple of years ago, he had a little heart trouble and got that taken care of. He's been strong since then. He's been running marathons and doing all kinds of things. He's in pretty good shape, but just to make sure everything was all right, he went to his doctor not long ago for a checkup, and a couple of weeks later, Tom ran into his doctor while he was out. Uh, He was leaving a local restaurant And he had this beautiful young girl on his arm. And he just came strolling out with a big smile on his face. And the doctor asked him, Tom, what are you doing? And Tom said, well, I'm just doing what you told me to do, Doc. Um, Get me a hot mama and be cheerful. And that's what I'm doing. And the doctor said, no, Tom. That's not what I said. I, I, I said, you've got a heart murmur, and you need to be careful. <laughs> Sometimes we misunderstand things, and that can make a big difference. And you've done that, I've done that, we've all been on un, uh, both sides of it. And we can miss out on a lot in life, and we can go in wrong directions simply because of a miscommunication, simply because, well, that's not what I understood and you've done that when you've said, that's not what I said. Well, that's not what I heard. Well, that's, And there's misunderstandings. The premise of today's message is this, that many followers of Jesus have, in some ways, one way in particular we'll look at today, misunderstood the gospel. And what a giant difference grace can make in your life. We've misunderstood who we are in Jesus and what he's done now that we're Christians. We misunderstand how it is that we see ourselves and sometimes how we see other people because of that. Paul wrote a letter. He wrote several letters, but one of those letters was to a place called Ephesus, And he wrote that to remind us that we are the ecclesia, the called-out ones. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Jesus. Now, the content in the book of Ephesians is very similar to the content that you see in the book of Colossians. In fact, there's a common thread that sort of runs through all of Paul's writings, but those two books are kind of similar. What he does in this letter is that he presents to the Ephesians, and he presents to us, to us Christians too, the glory and the splendor of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to begin a new series today, and we hope that this is kind of an initiation and a hope and just sort of a proclamation that we believe better days are coming, and and we're stepping into the future together We know we have to comply, and we know that that's uh, kind of a a fluid thing, that it's in transition, but we're going to move ahead as quickly as the Lord uh, opens up the doors and allows us to. So here's the big idea about the whole series, what we're going to be talking about this summer. This series is going to walk through uh, this fascinating book of Ephesians. We're going to see how Paul emphasizes God's action. At work in our lives, both to restore us to Himself and how He will renew and restore our relationships with one another because of that relationship. That just becomes an extension of who we are uh, in Christ and how He loves us. So today we're going to look at just maybe the first, I don't know, 11, 14, 15 verses in the first chapter. Uh, of Ephesians. And I'm going to encourage you, on Wednesday nights we're studying Corinthians, and I've said um, they track in similar ways, and they're going to overlap, and they'll, they'll kind of touch each other in some of the themes as we go along. But I've told the folks who come to the Wednesday night Cafe Bible Study, read along with me. We'll be reading through uh, th- that book, and I'm, I'm asking you on Sunday mornings read along with us in Ephesians and and when you step into this room or where when you turn your computer or your television on at home you'll think okay I've read this it's familiar to me I'm here I'm ready ready to worship ready to listen so uh, the big idea of today's message is that the purpose of God is to bring all things together in Christ in Christ. That's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing since Genesis. That's what he'll do in the Revelation. He's going to bring us together and all things together in Jesus. That's his purpose. So what do we do when you click the off button and uh, prepare your lunch or when you walk out of these doors? uh, What do we hope to do? I hope that that today we can know God's purpose by knowing God. Who We are or maybe just begin. I'm discovering this for myself who we are in Christ. You're going to hear me say that phrase a lot and that's because it's in this book a lot. I just went through in the version that I'm reading out of and I just began to count how many times Paul says in Jesus or in Christ. I counted about nine, and then times where he referenced Jesus, and he would say of Jesus or with Jesus or before Jesus, and the list just goes on and on. This book's all about Jesus and what he wants to do and who he is in our life. Paul emphasizes God's will and his purpose for the whole world, and that's revealed to us through Jesus. Verses 9 and 10 tell us that God wants to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Jesus. In Jesus. That's where everything comes together. Paul's language is familiar to a lot of us who've read his other letters. And in this passage, you'll see him emphasize God's sovereignty. And you'll see how uh, God works as a master planner, An architect, a designer, an artist, a builder in each of our lives, in each of our spirits and how he changes us and the world around us through us because of Jesus. God wants to bring us back into, all of us, all of us, uh, a whole lost and broken, wounded creation, this world into a right relationship with himself through Jesus. You can look at verse 11 uh, to 14 in the first verse, and I'm going to go back and forth in this passage, and I may come back and visit some of these things he says in the first chapter again next week, uh, but I want to get you uh, to, to feel this and to kind of see where he's going. It says in verse 11, in him we have obtained, I could I could stop on almost every verse. There's so much here. I just It would take us forever. Uh, but I love that already. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard... Uh, of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire actual possession of it to the praise of his glory. You know, there's a show. I don't know if it's still a big hit TV show right now. It's on HGTV. I I think it's still on. Uh, It's called The Fixer Upper. Are, Are you familiar with this show? Uh, they'll, they'll take a house uh, that's shaky and, and dilapidated, uh, and I actually practiced saying that word before I stepped up here because I thought I'm not going to be able to. But they're, they're these old houses that they take, and then they restore them into these beautiful homes. Now, I grew up in a little tiny house, and I took one last picture of it several, several years ago before they finally pushed it down. Uh, there were just two bedrooms for a family of five and one bathroom. Uh, it, it was, we were all in there, but we didn't know better. You know, We didn't know any difference. We didn't know we didn't live in a big house until we went across town and saw the big houses. But it reminded me of this place because by the time it had reached its, the end of its life, it was in pretty bad shape. But they'll take these houses and they'll fix them up and they'll just make them beautiful on the outside and then on the inside. I guess it was about a year and a half ago that um, I was sitting with my friend, uh, Sandy Ball, in the cancer center which is off Pellissippi. And we were waiting for her chemo treatment. And we're sitting there and we're watching this show, Fixer Upper. And uh, Sandy, who she and her husband, BL, were builders for years and years and years. We're watching this show, and, and Sandy said, you know, um, most people don't see the potential in a house, even in their own house. She said, with a little love, you can turn even a broken-down old shack into a show place. Now, I want you to think of yourself as a broken-down old house that has been turned into into a palace. Actually, the Bible calls you a temple, so you're a beautiful thing. But you have this tendency, I know, to still look into the mirror, and all you see when you see yourself is, I'm still living in that old house. Because of what somebody's told you, what you've heard, what's being reinforced or affirmed, either accidentally, either covertly, or overtly, you've been told things that weren't true. And even after you came to Jesus, you continued to see yourself the way you used to be, oh broken-down sinner. That's not who you are anymore. And I'm going to have a hard time convincing a lot of people, but you live in Jesus now. Now, I don't know what you think when I say this, but uh, about two, two and a half, three years ago, now I'm nervous to tell you because I don't know what you'll think, but... uh, I had a dream, and God showed me um, the house I grew up in. And it was broken down, and it was old, and it was, and I was just thinking we're never going to be able to fix this up. And I'm walking through, and it's dark, and it's musty, and just bare boards are poking out. I mean, it's just in terrible shape. And I said, God, I just don't know. And I stepped out on the porch, and it was just broken. I, I said, God, I, don't, I can't fix this place. And, and he said, Dan, you don't have to fix it. You have to get out of it. That's not your house anymore. You don't live there anymore. And in my dream, I began to walk away down that gravel driveway, and I woke up. Now, that's a metaphor of the fact that you live in Jesus now. If you've accepted Christ, and I know you've heard that since you were a little girl. I know when you were a teenage boy, somebody said, well, God will come and live inside you, and where's Jesus now? And and children will point to their hearts, and He's inside. And we kind of understand that, but we kind of don't get that. I want you to know that's a real thing, that you live in Jesus now, and He lives in you. Most Christians don't see the masterpiece that they really are in christ and that friends is the big idea behind ephesians i want you to say something with me i'm going to say it and then i want you just to repeat it at whatever i say after me do you trust me you say i won't tell you anything that's not true i'm gonna tell you something true i'm gonna say two things and whatever i say you say it right after me you ready and I can't tell if you're doing it or not because most of you are wearing masks <laughs> or you're on the other side of that blinking light. So, okay. I am beautiful. I am useful. Just saying that made some of you really uncomfortable. Because another voice answered inside, just, you know, that echoed the voice you said outside, I am beautiful. And a voice inside said, no, you're not. You are not. And you have almost come to the place where you naturally deflect that without even thinking about it. It's like the person who receives a compliment. Oh, I like your dress. That's so pretty. Oh, this old thing. Well, it's just, you know, and we do that. My nickname ever since I've been a tiny little boy has been Handsome Dan. And I get so many compliments on my looks. It has been a curse. It is the Riley curse. and you know. But I, but I could just deflect that. I know, some, I know some of you are watching and you're thinking, we decided to tune in this church and we don't know about this pastor. No, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. We have a hard time believing that we're beautiful or that we're useful. Now, I'm going to show you in just a moment that God says you're beautiful. So you can either believe you, how many times have you been wrong about something, or you can believe God. I'm going to go with God, and I think you're beautiful too. Ephesians 2.10 is a powerful verse, and I'm going to jump ahead to that chapter to read it for you because I think it's, it's almost key uh, to the whole letter. He says this For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That one verse almost says it all. He says, We are his workmanship. The word workmanship is this wonderful word. It's actually the same word as the word masterpiece. That's what it means. We don't use the word workmanship very much. Oh, I see your workmanship. We do sometimes, but it's more common for us to say, oh, that was a masterpiece. We get that. It's a word that describes something that has both beauty and function. It's lovely to look at, but it also serves a purpose and and I think sometimes we think that you know just it's just a a piece of art, maybe it's a painting or it's a sculpture and we think, oh I just just and, and i I love art i mean I, and I always have and you know I, I would go to a museum and I've been to galleries in so many places and And taking time out of vacation days to visit those and just stand and look. And that's part of what this word means, but I want you to know it's bigger and it's deeper and it's even better. It's something that's beautiful, but it has a function. There's a purpose to it. And that's who you are. You're a Ferrari. (laughs) Okay, you're beautiful, but you have a purpose. Like a new suit or a dress or a piece of furniture that has, that has been crafted by an artisan in woodworking. And you think, that is so beautiful. But you can sit, you can, you can eat, you can look, you can put things. That's the idea. And I, I won't just keep you know banging on that and just hammering that. But I want you to get the fullness of what it means when he says, you are a masterpiece. Have you ever asked yourself the question... Why did God create me? Why I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my significance? We need to read the book of Ephesians with me because you're going to get some answers there of why God did that. Look at verse 3. We'll go to verse 6. He said, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Did you know you were all those things? In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Did you know all of that about yourself? It's all true. He has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. See, a lot of us are still working and still trying to achieve some spiritual blessing. And we think, if I'm good enough today, if I do the right things, if I, if I behave properly, if all of that falls into place, maybe I'll get a blessing. And God says, I've already blessed you. And it's not because of anything you've done either. It's called grace. And I've blessed you because of Jesus. And God says, I've already given you every spiritual blessing. It's kind of like the old preacher story, uh, which you've heard in different versions, I'm sure, uh, where there is a, a Texas rancher, and and one day he accidentally discovers oil on his property. And overnight, this rancher that was just going month to month and day to day and getting by, he's instantly a millionaire, and he's wealthy beyond what his imagination would have ever Thought possible. But the truth of the matter is, he was already rich. It was already there. He owned the land. He owned the oil. He just didn't know it. And I think there's a lot of us who have so many spiritual blessings in Jesus and we don't even know about them. And we spend spend so much time in self-pity and feeling sorry for ourselves and just appropriating and trying to go back to our flesh and make something work and trying to pull out of ourself something that we feel like maybe is a blessing. And God says, oh, my goodness, you're so beautiful and I've blessed you so much. I just want you to know it. I just want you to know it. In verse 11 in Ephesians, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may might be to the praise of His glory. Listen to this again. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... When you believed in him, when all that happened, it's already happened, you were sealed at that time with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and you see this again in the book of Hebrews, is the guarantee of our inheritance. That word guarantee really means he's the down payment. He's the down payment. Have you ever wanted to buy a piece of property or a car, and you had to put down a hundred dollar check or a thousand dollar check to hold that, and that was a, your down payment. That was your, your, you were gonna. That was letting somebody know I'm serious about this, and I'm going to go ahead and give this to you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Any those of you who doubt your salvation because you're always looking at your behavior or the words you said and all the mechanism systems, you think, "Well, I don't know if I did it right." Well, it was not about you. <laughs> It's about Him. It's about His grace. Anytime in your life you have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have listened to His voice. He has comforted you and just assured you and affirmed you. Anytime you've sung some of these songs like we've sung this morning and you just sense His atmosphere in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you were just reminded of your down payment. You just got a little glimpse of your inheritance just a little bit of all that's coming that's a guarantee the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life Now Paul goes on and he'll do this off and on in the rest of the book you know he he will describe how God accomplishes this master plan of his through relationships some of us think it'll be through the law some of us think it'll be through rules or it'll be through religion and has that ever worked God says, no, I'm going to do it through relationships. He said, I want you to know me personally. And according to Paul, he said, once you know me, you can get to know me better and better and better. The relationship becomes more authentic. It becomes deeper and more intimate as time goes by. A real relationship with God is dynamic over time. It doesn't stay stagnant. And if you're in the same place, if you feel like you're in the same place in your relationship with Him as you were on day one, when your relationship first started, when you were first saved, something is abnormal, something's unhealthy, something is wrong. Because it grows and it deepens and it just becomes more and more beautiful. There's a big difference. There is an important difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. You know, you can look on your social media and you can follow somebody on Instagram or on Facebook or on their website. Uh, You can watch documentaries about that person and after a while you've seen their movies, you've heard their songs and you just feel like I know them. I, I just feel like I know them. You ever felt that way about celebrities? And the truth is, though, you don't really know them. Even if you know a friend of theirs. You've got a friend, and your friend knows them, and so they give you like the inside scoop, and you know all these little things. I say, oh, well, he, do, he doesn't like that, or she's not that way in real life, you know? And, and you think, oh, I'm, but you don't really know them. You just know a lot about them. But you don't know them publicly or, you know, personally. In the same way, we can be friends with other Christians, we can even know a lot about God, you can know a lot about the Bible, but that doesn't mean that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, because you're surrounded by Christians, because you grew up in a Christian home. Um, And I've said this before, I think I got it from Keith Green a long time ago, you know, walking into church and being a member here doesn't make you a christian any more than walking into mcdonald's makes you a hamburger you know it's a personal relationship and in that relationship you you know how if you've ever been in a love relationship and you just can't wait and you don't know who's going to say it first or who's going to give compliments first But you do, sometimes on the very first date, or even before you go on the first date. Oh, you're so pretty today. Oh, I like your hair. Oh, that was so smart of you. And and you begin to connect around those things. This is what God's doing. Folks, this is what God's doing. He's telling you, first thing, I think you're beautiful. Just because you know what somebody does for a living, or what they ate for breakfast doesn't mean you know their hearts or you know their character. And just because we're friends with somebody who knows somebody, no, it's knowing him. And when you know him, he's going to tell you what he thinks about you. And that's going to be one of the very first things is how incredibly lovely he finds you. Don't listen to that other voice that's pushing back right now. You are, as Peter said, a partaker of the divine nature. And that word partaker means a participant. You're in. He's in you. You're in him. You are not an observer. You are not a robot. You are not just a keeper of the rules. You have him inside you. You are inside him. It's an incredible relationship. You are not a replica. You are not an imitation of Jesus. You and I exhibit the marvel, the beauty, the fascination, the wonder of grace, the grace of God in us. Even on our our most awful days, our most common days, our most ordinary days, the days that you feel like a failure, he's in you and you're in him and he still thinks you're beautiful. He still thinks you're beautiful. i want to read you something someone wrote this morning in their journal. Launch out in reckless belief that the redemption is complete. You don't need to add anything to it. And then bother no more about yourself and begin to live as Jesus said. He is the vine. You are a branch growing out of Him. And you'll grow and you'll blossom and you'll change. But you're already a branch. You don't have to get up and think today I'm going to try to be a branch. And I'm going to try to be the best branch I can be. You already are. All you've got to do is just stay connected to that vine. Stop trying to be a better branch. How long is it going to take God to free us from this morbid habit of always thinking about ourselves? We cannot, even with the greatest efforts and with utmost carefulness, touch the depths of our sin ourselves. You can't be good enough. There is only one place where we are right, and that is in Christ Jesus. The continual grubbing on the inside to see if we are what we ought to be generates a self-centered, morbid type of Christianity, not the simple, beautiful, vibrant, robust life that God designed for us, because we're in Jesus. And when you're in Jesus, you're beautiful. And God sees your beauty through the eyes of love. When we were in college, we had some friends, and I hesitate to say this, and if you're that friend and you're watching, it's not about you. It's a completely different couple. It is not you. Maybe this is fictional. Maybe it's not. But there was a couple, and they were neither very attractive. (laughs) And they... Adored one another. They were one of those couples. You know the couple. You know the couple in the restaurant that sit on the same side of the booth, same siders. Okay, I'm sorry if you're one of those couples, and I just I just embarrassed you. But uh, you you know they just were always there, and we're just like stop it. You know they were just always you just holding, hanging on. She's always just hanging on to him like she just grew there and are. but neither of them are very attractive and of course you think hmm, I don't see what he sees and maybe someone says I don't see what she sees but they saw it and they look at each other like puppies with big eyes you know because <laughs> they were looking at one another they didn't see mope and dope but they saw <laughs> and I don't know who gave them that name it was was disrespectful but they saw each other through the eyes of love they loved each other when God looks at you I don't care what somebody told you I don't know how kids teased you or the nicknames you picked up or the self esteem and the image and all of that that you've accumulated over time God looks at you and you take his breath away God looks at you and goes a masterpiece sitting with Earl in Katie's room Katie's room had been turned into basically a hospital room it was a hospital bed and everything she needed it had been difficult the years the cancer the chemo certainly taken its toll on Katie. Earl, my father-in-law, and I were sitting one evening. It was just before supper. and We were there by ourselves with Katie. She was asleep. He just looked so adoringly at this woman who had been his wife For years and his friend since childhood, and whether it was to me or to himself, Earl said, "Isn't Katie beautiful?" He said. She's always been so pretty. Katie was beautiful. But as I followed his look, what I saw was a weary woman who had for years and waging war, and fighting, and struggling with cancer. And she just looked so tired. When Earl looked at her, he saw his pride. He saw the love of his life. That's what love does. Love looks at you and says, isn't she so pretty? Isn't he handsome? Because in all of his creation, you are his masterpiece. Say this after me. I am beautiful. I am useful. When you begin to believe and embrace your new identity and your beauty in Christ, when you realize that when God sees you, He sees Jesus absolutely going to change and rock your whole life. I promise. And so we begin our series on the book of Ephesians.